This is the Austin Life Church podcast. For more information, please visit us at austinlifechurch.com. All right, y'all. How are we doing? Yes, awesome. There was one response. Was that a bad, maybe it was a, it was a bad transition. Maybe it was a bad transition. You know, we went from prayer to that and it was too much. So um, it was my fault. That's on me. You're right, Stephen. That's, that was my fault. That was my fault. So uh, good to see everybody. Um, we doing all right? How was the week? Was it okay? Great. Rob had a good week. Super. Awesome. It was a beautiful week of weather. That, that was poor grammar. So I'm sorry. It was a beautiful week of, no, I'm not even going to try again. I can't, I can't get the words together today. Um, but it was nice out, yeah? Man, really enjoyed it. So glad you're here. Thanks for joining us. Um, my name's Corey. Uh, if, if I haven't met you, this is probably the most awkward introduction ever. Um, but, you know, we just, we just kind of want to be who we are. Uh, and, and this is what you get, a little bit of awkwardness at times, and I'm all right with that. Um, so, so glad you're here. Welcome to Austin Life Church. Um, here's what I will, will guarantee is this morning you all got out of bed. I know, it's a, that's a strong guarantee. It's a pretty safe bet there. Um, but the reason you got out of bed is because, we talked about this last week, the option of staying in bed was less appealing than getting out of bed. Now, I know some of you may be thinking, nope, no, sir, at all. I would much rather have stayed in bed. Um, and then I would follow up and say, why? Why didn't you stay in bed? If during the week, right, your, your alarm goes off at um, 5 a.m., which should never go off at 5 a.m., like that is an ungodly hour. Um, I'm pretty sure that's in the Bible somewhere. Um, your alarm goes off, you're going to get out of bed, and you're going to get out of bed because you would rather get out of bed than stay in bed. And again, I, I know that there's that temptation of saying, like, you don't know me, man. Like, I want to stay in bed. And, and then I would still argue, like, well, then you would stay in bed. But if you have to get up and say, go to a job, then you're, you believe the outcome is better for you to keep your job than for you to stay in bed, however enjoyable that might be, and lose your job. Right, So we make our decision to get out of bed and go to work or, or come to church because we believe the outcome from doing so is, is better than the outcome for staying in bed, even as much as we might want to stay in bed. Right? Are y'all with me on that? We, we eat food because we believe the outcome of like keeping food in our body is, is better than not. Um, we, man, some of us went to a football game yesterday or watched a football game. It's okay, Longhorns, or the Aggies are bad too. Um, we'll, just, we'll just all say it is what it is and it's fine. Um, but we, we have this, we, we're, we're, we're following things, we're watching these things because we think that's going to bring us joy, right? We, we think it's going to be the most satisfying. Even on the flip side, I, I got in a fight with Stephanie this week, and um, we didn't prepare for this, so she's like, great, thank you for telling everybody about that. Um, it, it was my fault. Um, I'm okay with that. And, but in the moment, right, in the fight, and I had the choice. I could have turned down my tone. I could have, you know, tempered my, my passion, if I want to call it that. Um, I, I could have you know, led with grace and humility and empathy, and, and I could have ended it right then, but in my twisted sort of way, I wanted my point to be known, and, and I thought that I needed to make sure that she understood my point, and so I was going to, you know, we were going to, we were going to get this done, you know, but I had the choice. It's just I thought that that route was going to end up better, although it doesn't. It never does, um, but we, 
We make these choices, every single choice, ultimately because in that moment we think this is going to lead to greater satisfaction. Even in the choices where you're like, dude, I know, like going into this, I know this is a bad choice. Like we, we've all had those too. We know this is not gonna go well, but there's something in us that believes in that moment in some way Choosing to do this bad thing is more fulfilling than choosing to not. In some twisted way that the devil has concocted in our mind, because we are created as pleasure seekers. We are created as as people who all the time want to gain and grab hold of more and more and more pleasure, more of the fullness of life. And so we, we started this little diagram because I'm a visual learner, and this guy has a hat because 84% of the time I have a hat on. Um, and so I was like, let's give him a hat, and, and I can't really draw well, and I couldn't draw hair because I don't have hair. Um, and so I was like, well, we're just going to go with that. But we all are making choices to get to this end, right? Every single one of us, that is our ambition. And then the question becomes, what do we ultimately think is the answer for this? What is our hope that will most satisfy? What do we believe that if I keep doing this, it's going to get me down the road and I'm gonna go, yes, I'm so fulfilled in life. We're gonna look back and not, not feel like we've wasted it or not feel like we've you know, made the wrong choice. We are all making choices towards this end, the fullness of life. Thomas Aquinas is someone I I took a quote from, and he says, there is within every soul a thirst for happiness and meaning. Jonathan Edwards called it a necessary craving. Just as as necessary as oxygen is to our, our life, this pursuit of the fullness of life, this pursuit of pleasure, of satisfaction, is a necessary part of our humanity. It's how we are made. It's, it's, it's just in the fabric of our DNA. And so we've then got to say, what is it? And we've got to be honest here, right? What is it that we ultimately think is going to lead us to the fullness of life? Is it control and power, right? Like being able to stand on my own two feet and no one's going to tell me what to do and no one's going to throw my life off, off track. Like you can throw everything at me, but I'm in control of my life. I'm strong and I'm resilient and I'm steadfast. And, and maybe that becomes everything that we're seeking after. And as long as we feel like we're in control, we feel safe, we feel secure, we feel like we can handle anything and we're ultimately going to be happy until the day comes when we realize we're ultimately not in control, and then our world falls apart. Maybe your fullness of life is much like my, my struggle or my temptation, and that's in the affirmation and affection of others, right? Like, I feel um, most fulfilled, most satisfied when I feel that those around me affirm me, care for me. They've got my back. They're supportive of me, especially those that are closest to me, Right? Like if I just have this affirmation, that's where I'm going to feel safe and secure and feel like I have the, the most of it. But if you take that away, then my whole world can, can start to crumble and fall apart. But if I'm putting all of my eggs in the basket of affirmation of others, what happens when, when that's gone? Which at some point, even in the best of relationships, death has a 100% success rate. 
It's not always going to be there. And if that was my world, this relationship, then it goes down too. Man, sometimes money is, is the end-all, be-all, right? College students, the number of times I've talked to, to students, or not even college students, right, where it's just like, I've got to get to this job because I've got to have a good-paying job. Like, yeah, man, make some money. That's great. Be generous with it. You know, but so often, it's what's controlling us and making our decisions for us. Is this paycheck? Is this bank account? Is, man, how much is going into savings, and so we're, we're, we're being controlled and determined by the, the money in our lives or lack thereof. And that's ultimately what we're going to grab hold of and think that this will bring us this fullness of life. And, and in the end, we, we know that that's going to fall short too. I mean, you just got to watch the news for the people who have money on top of money on top of money on top of money. And it's still never enough. They're still not satisfied. So we've got to ask that question. What is it that ultimately we are chasing after, and then we have to be honest and say, is it, is it gonna lead to the right answer? Because I, I promise you this, nobody wants to live a life where they're chasing after something and you're just not, get, you're not moving anywhere. You're running and 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 you're like, why is this not working? Why am I not more satisfied? Why am I not more fulfilled? Why am I not more happy? You're just chasing after it and it's never satisfying. And then even worse, we get down to the end of our life and we look back and we go, well, shoot. I wish I could have a do-over. I think five words that scare me the most are I wish I would have. Because at that point, you can't do anything about it. You know? You can't go back. And so we want to make sure that we know, man, what we are chasing after is worthwhile. Like what we are, 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 are connecting our hearts to and putting our lives into is, is worthwhile and is going to satisfy. Now here's what, here's what I believe is true. Whether you believe it or not today, um, I believe that God has you here for a reason. If you're, if you're watching on the other side of that wall or you're listening to this um, on, on a podcast, driving around town or whatever, I believe that God has you listening to this for a reason. And that reason is, is to tell you that he is the fullness of life that you are looking for. A relationship with God, knowing God, trusting God, loving God, walking in a real relationship with the God of this world is the fullness of life that we are seeking after. So Psalm 1611, right? Psalm 1611. It says, for you make known to me the path of life. In your presence, there's the fullness of joy. At your right hand are pleasures forevermore. In your presence, God, in, at your right hand are, the, are pleasures forevermore, the fullness of joy. Not like, you know, 75%, 80% capacity, but the fullness, like reaching and overflowing the top, the fullness of joy is in his presence. So again, we're all chasing after something. I mean, I believe that what we're chasing after is the presence of God because that is how God made us. I believe God made us as pleasure seekers because he knows he is the ultimate pleasure. And so as pleasure seekers, we're constantly looking for pleasure. And he's like, hey, hey, it's me. It's me. A relationship with me is what you're looking for. 
we're just oftentimes blinded to think that it's something else that is going to take that place and it's going to let us down time and time and time and time again. And, and we've all encountered it. We've all, we've all lived long enough, even, even the youngest ones in here have lived long enough to know that the things of this world, they, they, yeah, they don't, they let us down. They never fully satisfy. Now let me, let me be sure, be clear on this, right? I think a lot, I hesitated with this, with this topic because there's this part of me, it's like, oh, I don't, I don't want to like preach a prosperity gospel. Or like, I don't want to swing to this side where I'm like, hey, you trust God and everything will be perfect. Right, like you're gonna be happy all the time and everything's gonna come your way and you trust God and that job and promotion you wanted, boom, it's gonna happen and then you're gonna get a new car and then when that one get, like, loses its new car smell, because you love God, boom, you'll get another one and then you're not gonna get sick, right? You're gonna be great and your family's gonna be great and you're not gonna have disaster and you're not gonna have traumatic events and, 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 and so I fear a little bit like, oh, I don't want this to be like that. I'm not trying to communicate that. What, what I'm trying to communicate is the fullness of life is not in what God can give you, it's in God himself. So the fullness of life is not in the circumstances that God can give you or the circumstances that God can change. The fullness of life is in a relationship with God regardless of the circumstances around you. God himself is the fullness of life. I mean, for the longest time when I was seven, I prayed this prayer asking Jesus into my heart. Anybody else ever done that before? Ask Jesus in their heart, pray this prayer. Wild thing, like that phrase isn't even in the Bible. I'm like, what? Where did that come from then? Anyways, sorry, that was a tangent. Um, so I, I, was, I just wanted to go to heaven. I was seven and I was scared of dying and going to hell. And I was like, I don't want to go to hell. I just want to go to heaven. Right? And so they were like, okay, well, ask Jesus in your heart and you'll go to heaven. And I was like, sweet deal, done check. Well, then I was scared for the next eight years of my life because everything hinged on that prayer. Like my eternity in heaven or hell hinged on this, this prayer. What if I prayed it wrong, right? Like y'all listen to me long enough. I struggle with words sometimes, right? Like what if I got it wrong? I need to do this again. Or what if, man, what if it wasn't good enough? Like I needed to be more eloquent or more sincere or, or whatever. And so I was just always afraid. And what I came to realize is that I was trusting in a prayer, not in Jesus of the prayer, because I wanted heaven, not God. All I wanted was his stuff. I, I wasn't necessarily seeking God. I was just seeking his stuff. And this prayer was the way to his stuff. Does that make sense? Heaven is not heaven without God. It's, it's not heaven. God is what makes heaven heaven. And so the fullness of life, the, the pinnacle, the fullness of joy, the complete happiness and joy that we can ever have is in the presence of God. It's with him. He is the joy. He is the answer. He is the solution. And then not only that, this we talked last week, so if you miss it, you're getting a recap. We talked last week, Paul said this, right? That, that knowing Christ was greater than anything else. Everything else in all of life, if you put it on a scale and you compare it to Christ, man, it's just garbage, it's worthless. And then he says a couple of verses later, but I'm not there yet. 
Like Paul, who wrote two-thirds of the New Testament, he, he hadn't arrived. There was still more for him to know, more for him to gain. And so in God is an ever-increasing abundance of joy. Like we're never going to hit the ceiling in all of heaven and eternity. We're never going to max out and be like, all right, well, I guess that's all I can get of God. That's all, that's all the joy I can have in his presence. He's an eternally magnificent God. And so we can know God fully here today, and then God's like, hey, but there's still more. And so then we get more of him tomorrow, and then God's like, hey, but there's still more. And then we get more of him the next day, and God's like, hey, but there's still more. And you, you get the rhythm? It never stops. It never ceases. Does, any, does anyone else with me ever feel a disconnect in this? Where you're like, okay, the fullness of joy is in his presence. An ever-increasing abundance of joy. We talked last week, Matthew 13, 44, that guy who, who stumbled upon a treasure in the field and went home and sold everything he had with joy. He was eager to sell it all so that he could go buy the field with the treasure because the treasure was of more value than everything else he had. And Jesus is like, that's what it's like to know God. That's what it's like to be a part of his kingdom is that everything else just starts to pale in comparison. And then I was like, man, I see what he's saying there, but gosh, in my life, I feel a disconnect from that. Like, this seems like a good idea or a good story, but it doesn't seem like real life to me. Any, does anyone else feel that way ever? David, he, he pants after God like a deer pants after water. And I'm like, man, I, I don't know that I've been there. David says that the steadfast love of God is better than life itself. Man, I don't, like I love that verse put it on a coffee mug and I'll, I'll drink coffee from it, but I don't know that I really, I really know that. I think a lot of times I interact with God and the fullness of life in him a lot like a distant relative. Hey, I got this uncle who lives across the country, but you know, he's part of my family. We don't really see him much. I mean, we, we can call each other and talk on the phone, but it's, it, I'm not really close to him. And I think a lot of times I have this idea of God. I read these verses of God and I'm like, oh my gosh, it's incredible. And yet I don't feel like my life has just been floored and blown away by the goodness of God. Are y'all with me on that? At least I think there's a few, uh, okay. There's, there's a couple. That's bothered me. That's, that's bothered it, it would almost be like window shopping. You know, like, hey, let's walk down, and you're walking, and you see this incredible jacket, like, through the window, and, and the person with you is like, oh, yeah, you can grab it. And you just hit this glass window, and it's like, uh, no. Like, it looks great. I would love to have it. But, like, there's a, there's a piece of glass in between me and actually having that jacket. And that's a lot of times how I feel about this idea of, like, man, David, this is awesome. Thank you for telling me the fullness of life, the fullness of joy is in his presence. Like, but there's a piece of glass between me and actually experiencing this. 
Man, sometimes I can have a good emotional movement and it's good in my head, but there just seems to be a disconnect. And yet Jesus literally said he came that we would have abundant life. So either Jesus misspoke and he's like, dang it, now what do I do with this? I didn't mean to say that, but John already wrote it down and look at us now, we're, we're stuck with it. Or Jesus actually meant that he came that you and I could have abundant fullness of life. Either he's just a tease, and in which case it's really kind of cruel to, to let people think like, hey, you could have this, but, but always kind of pull it back and not really. Or he actually meant that we can have an ever-increasing fullness and abundance of life in his presence. I believe he meant what he said, which means there's so much more for us to have in the presence of God than we've yet to experience. And so now this conversation shifts to how. How do we actually know this? How do we actually know the love and presence of God that we would joyfully forsake everything if it just meant that we got more of him? I don't wanna just talk theory anymore. I don't wanna just think like, gee, that would be nice. I wanna know this. I'm tired, I've been a Christian for too long and I'm tired of doing religion well and kind of hitting this low ceiling when God's like, there's, it's all here. And I don't want us to be a church that just settles for being good church folk. What a boring life that we're gonna get down the road and go, man. You know? So how, how do we actually grow in this? That is what we're gonna be talking about for the next several weeks is how, how do we, how does this gap get bridged? It didn't initially start that way. Y all, y all, y all, we know that, right? In Genesis one and two, God created the heavens and the earth and he created Adam and Eve. And the crazy thing is that Adam and Eve, man, they were right here. Like they were in the fullness of God. They were walking in his presence. Complete fullness of joy. Like they could not have any more. Every day it was just like, man, I'm overflowing. And the next day it was just overflowing. And the next day it was overflowing. That's how everything began, is in his presence, in the fullness of life. We have to remember, in order to fully grasp this, I figured this out this week, by the way. Rob, help me. Thank you, Rob. Boom. It's right side up. We have to remember who this God is that created everything. Okay, this, this, you, we've probably seen this for several weeks now, and it's so foundational to understanding this. God himself is one God in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. 
And God existed for all of eternity. Before humanity existed, before the world existed, God was there and he existed in perfect love and and humility and surrender and joy and happiness. The Father was glorifying the Son. That just means praising and lifting up. And the Father was glorifying the Spirit and the Spirit was glorifying the Son and the Spirit was glorifying the Father and the Son. Right? It was a perfect, selfless glorifying just praising one another. And so God in himself, can you imagine a relationship like that? Can you imagine just having a relationship where it was completely perfect? Like it was this mutual, just honoring and glorifying and praising and lifting up and there was never conflict and never strife and there was zero selfishness. Man, I can't imagine five minutes like that. I'm just so, selfishness runs so deep in me. Like, and, and yet that is who God is. God himself is is the fullness of life, right? So we have to understand that God alone is the complete pinnacle of joy and life, and we have to grasp God did not need us. God didn't need you and me. He didn't need the world. He didn't need Adam and Eve. He would have been perfectly content in ever-increasing happiness simply in and of himself, because he is the fullness of life and the fullness of joy. And so why then, why then did, do we exist? Because God is generous in his love and he wanted a people to join him in this fullness of life. He's generous and just wanted to share the fullness of life with others. And so he creates the world and everybody in it to receive his love, to receive his generosity, and in turn, we glorify him as well, just like he's been doing for all of eternity. So Adam and Eve were created to join God in the fullness of life in paradise. I was trying to think of how do we, how do we connect this to our world. Imagine that your home, your, you and your family, lived at 4104 Shimmering Cove. This is a house for sale here in Austin. Um, do, do we have the, the image? There it is. So imagine that's your home. It's on Lake Austin. It's not bad. Um, and you and your family live there. And you've got everything, right? You want to go infinity pool it next to Lake Austin? Go infinity pool it, right? You, you, want, you, want, to, you want to cook on your grill inside? Okay, that's fine. Oh, you want to switch it up mid-grill to the outside? Cool, awesome. Do that as well, right? You've got just deep freeze with food and meat, right? You've got, it's perfect harmony and everything. Just imagine this is your home. It's, and every day the weather's like that, right? And it's just like, you know, perfect for the, for the lake, but also it's not too hot. Um, you know, so everything is in perfection. And then you get this grand idea. What if, what if we invite everybody around us just to come and live with us? What if we go knock on our neighbors and, and down the streets and whether they're, they're rich or poor or whatever, like what if we just say, hey, we have everything and life is perfect here. Come, like come eat, eat at our table. Man, you have fridge rights. Open the fridge. You don't need to ask, just eat, right? You, you want to swim? Cool. The pool is yours, What if you just opened everything up and invited people to come enjoy 4104 Shimmering Cove with you? (laughs) On a small scale, right, this is what God did. 
He's got everything in perfection. And, and he says, hey, let us make man in our image. Let's go ahead and create humanity to join us in this divine love and communion. Not because God needed it. If God needed you and me for his fullness, we are God, he is not. He's dependent on us. He, didn't, he was perfectly content and happy. Perfectly content at 4104 Shimmering Cove. It's just a generous love to invite people in. That's how it began. God's intention for us is to join him in this divine fellowship. We have to know that God is for us. He's for the fullness of life for us. But something has clearly, obviously gone wrong, right? Man, go, go open the news for 0.21 seconds and you're like, oh my word, there's some new disaster happening, right? Just live life for, oh, I don't know, a day, and you're like, this, that was not right. Like we just, something has gone wrong. Something has been broken. And so the Bible says that the devil, the thief, has one purpose, to steal, kill, and destroy, that the devil is living and active and his purpose is to destroy the glory of God. And since he can't get to God, the best way the devil can, can jack with God's glory is to jack with us. It is to mess with, with us, his creation, the people who God created to share in glorifying him. And so what does the devil do? He goes up to Adam and Eve and he's like, hey, why don't you eat this fruit? Now, it wasn't the fruit that was bad. I know some of you are like, yep, fruit, don't eat it. It's not good for you. It wasn't the fruit. The temptation was not fruit. The temptation was self-centeredness. That's the lie of the devil. Hey, I know God said this, but come on. You, you know better. God said don't do this, but it's okay. You can recover. You got this. God said, trust him fully, but come on, what's a little bit over here? And so the lie of the devil from day one to this very day is, hey, just compromise a little bit. You can call your own shots. It's okay. He's holding out from you. And so the devil convinced Adam and Eve to go their own route to grab hold of the fruit and eat of the fruit. And when that happened, they broke this relationship that they had with God. They separated themselves from the fullness of life that God had for them. And we are also consequently following directly in their footsteps. The Bible says that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. All of us have sinned and separated us from, separated ourselves from the perfection of God's glory. Not one of us has lived up to this design that God initially created us in. Imagine going back to 4104 Shimmering Cove and you've invited all these people in generously. They didn't do anything. They didn't even know it existed. You were just like, swing wide the doors, set the tables, stock the fridge, you know, let's give them everything. And, and all they did was come and take advantage of you and your generosity, trash your house, 
just really give you the double bird and walk out? I mean, let's be honest. God didn't need us. He generously created us, invited us in, and we were like, no, we're good. Like, I'm, 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 bet, I'm better on my own than with you. Like, it's, it's an arrogance and an insult to God. Come on, we all know how we would feel if that was our home and we opened it up and people were just, they just trashed it. Didn't care one bit about us. They just wanted to take our, our stuff and get out. And that is how we have treated God. And we've broken that relationship. Proverbs 14, 12 says, there's a way that seems right to man, but in the end it leads to death. The devil has done a masterful job of convincing us that this way is good and it's a toxic poison that will kill us. So the problem has come in that we're created to join God in this relationship and we have all walked away and separated ourselves from the fullness of life. That's why we're seeking the fullness of life, because we're not there. Because we've broken it by our own walking away from God, and we think that we're right. So now what? We'll go back to John 10.10. The thief has come to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus said, I have come that they would have life and have it abundantly. John 3.16 is some of the most famous, well, John 3.16 is one of the most famous verses. Uh, 17 is also pretty incredible. It says, God so loved the world. God so loved the people that rejected him and walked away from him. He so loved them that he sent his only son, Jesus, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that through him, the world might be saved. You see, we selfishly and arrogantly walked away from God. We walked away from the abundant life that God created. That's why we are seeking it. That's why there's an active pursuit, because we walked away from it, and God, in his love that I cannot fathom, still pursued us. He invited us in, we trashed it, we went our own way, and then God followed us out and pursued us through Jesus. So Philippians 2 says that Jesus, God the Son, had everything and he willingly let go of it and he came and he lived on earth in our place. This perfect relationship that we were supposed to live, Jesus came and did it for us. He was born as one of us to live as one of us in the way that we should have lived. And then Jesus, in humility, remember, Jesus, the one who created everything, the one who invited us in, the one that we rejected, came, and he, he didn't come to condemn us. He didn't come to beat us over the head and tell us, what are you doing? Like, you should know better. He came to bring us life, and he died on the cross for our sins. Somebody had to pay the price for the mess we created. Right? Somebody has to pay the price for the damage we caused. Jesus paid the price for us on the cross. He foot the bill. And now we can look at that and we can say, okay, well, Jesus, maybe, maybe by his death, he, he erased our sin, but, but then he goes even further and he rises from the dead 
and re-invites us back into the relationship that we initially walked away from. So Jesus comes to fix what we broke. So when we're looking at this journey, and we're all seeking the fullness of life, the presence of God, where we have to start is with the gospel. For you and I to know the fullness of life, it is far less about what we do and wholly about what Jesus has done for us. It is far less about what you and I do, how we clean ourselves up, how we fix this gap that we broke. You know, it's far less about that because we can't. You, you can't undo imperfection. And so Jesus came to do it for us. And by Jesus, we are invited into the fullness of life. 2 Corinthians 8, 9 is one of my, my favorite verses of, of the gospel because it's so, the imagery is so poignant. It says, you know the grace of our God, the kindness of our God, the free gift of our God. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that though he was rich, Though he had perfection and the fullness of life, though, though he had heaven, though he had everything, and it was rightfully his. Man, come on. How many times are, the hardest thing for me to do is to give up my rights? Right? Like what's actually mine? You know? If I'm in an argument and I'm actually the right one, like to humble myself, come on, no way. I'm the right one. I'm not giving up. Jesus gave up his rights, what was rightfully his. Though he was rich, yet for your sake. Just stick your name in that. He was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you by his poverty might become rich. We were living outside of 4104 Shimmering Cove, and Jesus invited us in. Man, and we wrecked it. We trashed that relationship. We find ourselves back out on the streets and Jesus instead comes and takes our place so that we can go and live in his. The gospel, it changes everything. From Genesis to Revelation, the entire Bible is about this message. that God created us for a life of full joy with him and somehow we walked away from that in arrogance and broke it and Jesus, God himself, came to fix what I broke and to offer me another chance at the fullness of life. So how do we receive that? Acts 3 says this. Peter is preaching to the ones that, that crucified Jesus. Right, if we're gonna rank bad people in the world, the ones who, who actually killed Jesus, like they're gonna be pretty high up there, yeah? And Peter says this to them. Repent. It means turn away. Repent just means turn. Stop going one way, go the other. Repent. 
from going your selfish way and turn back that your sins may be blotted out. Listen, if the sins of the ones who nailed Jesus to the cross can be blotted out, I think our sins can be forgiven. Repent and turn back that your sins may be blotted out, that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. How do we receive this? We, we stop trusting in ourselves and we trust that Jesus did it for us. We trust that his work is enough. We trust that when, when I trust him, he makes me righteous. He makes me right with God. That God no longer sees me for my sin. He sees me as righteous through Jesus. If I put on red tinted glasses, everything is going to appear red. When I trust Jesus, man, Jesus is stepping in front of me and God sees me through Jesus. And so he doesn't see my sins. He sees what Jesus has done on the cross to forgive my sins. And he sees me living a new life by the resurrection of Jesus. That is how we have the fullness of life. And then, yes, we can grow in it today and tomorrow and the next day. It can continue to increase but we never step into that outside of faith alone in Jesus. Jesus in my place so I can live in his. He came to fix what I broke. Not because I was worth it, but because God loves me so much in spite of my imperfections. This is the gospel. This is what changes everything. And the invitation is given to every one of us. So I want to invite you, let's just pray and, and reflect on that for a second. So I just want to invite you to close your eyes and just, just listen to this. I believe the Bible teaches that every one of us is in one of two places. Either we have trusted Christ, we've genuinely trusted Christ, his perfect life and his death and his resurrection and, and by our faith in him, we are made new. We're, we're a, we are a Christian part of him. Or we are on the outside looking in. But the invitation is given. There's nothing that holds us back from receiving that invitation other than ourselves. And so I just wanna ask you today, wh where are you? Honestly, be honest with yourself, where, where are you? Have you trusted and surrendered your life to Christ so that he can restore you into a relationship with God? If you haven't, do you, do you want to receive that today? The invitation was given in Acts 3 and it's given today. Repent. Just let go of trusting yourself and trust in Jesus. And you'll find the forgiveness of sins and the restoration of new life in him. I think for many of us, um, you get where I, where I often am and it's just that I take for granted the gospel of what Jesus has done. 
it loses its wonder a little bit. And it's not because it's any less wonderful, it's because I'm so focused on things around me instead of reminding myself of what Jesus has done for me. And even if today you're, you're saying, Man, I've never been closer to God, the amazing thing is that there's still more. And so for every person here today, we're at a place where we can receive more from God. Either new life for the first time or a greater fullness of the life that we have in Jesus. That's, that's incredible news. God, would you speak to us, to every single person in this room, every person listening, would you, would you speak to us? God, would you, would you lead us away from temptation, from the distraction of the devil who wants to take our eyes and, and look at the fruit and the tree around us? And God, would you, would you gently pull our eyes back to you? Father, would you let us see the weight of our sin? Would you let us grieve the offense against you? Let us, let us grieve the arrogance and the pride that we have against you. Not, not that we would sit in guilt or in shame, but that we would feel and know afresh the grace that you offer us in Jesus. to repent, to turn from any sin that we would experience the times of refreshing found in your presence. God, convince our hearts and our minds that, that this is true, that the fullness of life is in your presence and that it's okay to be where we are, but that we don't have to stay here. God, enough. We don't, we don't want to settle. We don't want to miss out on more of who you are. We don't want to miss out on the wonder and the glory of, of who you are that you, you came to bring us. And so would you, would you rescue us from ourselves? Would you, God, just open our eyes to see you more. down the dividing wall of hostility that separated us from God. May we not try to rebuild it, but walk in the freedom that you brought us.
Stephen and Rosie are gonna lead us in some songs of response. They're, they're words that, that were meant to, to sing to God. Or maybe just to pray silently to God. The focus is that this worship is to God. So whether you want to sit and just reflect on them with God, whether you want to stand and sing them, whether maybe the way to worship God right now is to is to be obedient in confessing sin or in in seeking prayer or help. God meets every one of us where we are and just invites us to, to move and it's okay. So I don't, know, I don't know what you came in here with today. I don't know where you are in this exact moment, but I do know that, that God's word does not return void. I do know that the spirit of God is present, that his word is living and active and that God is speaking to us today. And I do know that obedience and yes to him is the only direction to the fullness of life that we're created for. And so whatever obedience is from God for you today, right now, I invite you, I plead with you for you to receive it and to respond with a yes. It's it's for your good and it's for his glory, his praise as he is seen as beautiful in all that he does. So as we sing, I invite you to have the freedom to respond however God is prompting you to respond. Thanks for tuning in to the Austin Life Church Podcast. To help support us, please take a second to rate and review us on iTunes and visit us at austinlifechurch.com.